0: Welcome to a very special series of ESA Explores. On the 31st of March 2021, the European Space Agency opened applications for its first astronaut selection in over a decade. In this series, we delve a bit deeper into the role and the attributes of ESA astronauts with a few of the people who know them best. Along the way, we discover there are so many different opportunities to work in space exploration, and there's no one linear pathway to getting there. We hope you enjoy this journey behind the scenes. I'm Ellie Kohler, Stephen Ennis is on the sound desk, and this is ESA Explores. Welcome to episode 8 of our Astronaut Training and Space Careers series. In this episode, we're speaking with Loredana Bissoni. Loredana is the Head of Analog Field Training and Exploration Testing in the Space Training Team at ESA's European Astronaut Centre. She's also Project Lead for CAVES in Pangaea. These are a couple of the programs that are training astronauts to become planetary explorers when we go further beyond the International Space Station. Loredana's been with the European Space Agency for over 30 years, and she's had an interesting pathway to where she is today. Let's cut to our chat with Loredana. We apologize for sound quality in the following episode. Due to technical difficulties, it isn't quite as good as we'd like it to be, but we think the discussion with Loredana is fascinating, and we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: You have a really interesting job at ESA. I understand you're head of analog field testing and exploration training.
2: Is that correct? Yes. uh, Thank you, Ali. Thank you for having me here. It's totally correct. That's what I am. So what exactly is analog training? Analog training is training that happens in, that reproduces some of the characteristics of spaceflight. flight. So the analog training that I'm taking care of uh, specifically looks into analogies that are regarding the replication of an expedition into an alien environment, and that is the caves training course. And the other one is the Pangea training course that is trying to take advantage of Analog sites, geological sites that are analog or similar to uh, sites in space that astronauts would uh, go to, like the Moon or Mars.
1: Okay, so these are these are places on our Earth that have a similar geological landscape to another planet that we might explore.
2: Absolutely, for that's for the Pangea training course uh, for caves. It's uh, more the, the whole environment uh, that has analogies with spaceflight, but also that allows you to replicate situations which would be experienced during spaceflight. And that is important, not just the analogy of the site, but also the situational uh, analogies. Okay, and so you
1: bring astronauts to these sites and and you put them in different situations that they might experience off Earth. Can you talk us through the sorts of situations that they might be presented with in these environments? Talking about caves, the the cave
2: environment is a dark uh, alien environment and nobody usually lives in caves uh, for long long term. (laughs) Um, They are dark, they they don't have any plants, uh, they have minimal fauna, which is adapted to the environment. They may be muddy. They have uh, sometimes running water. The, and you have to move inside, uh, move in, in three dimensions, very similar to what you're doing in, in extravehicular activity. And if you move in a cave, you have to always go with uh, tools, which usually are lunges and uh, anchors that will anchor you to the wall. Uh, you will need to have a light. Uh, and you have a very small uh, field of view where you will need to move around um, very close to the walls, very similar to what you do in a uh, uh, international Space Station EBA. And then you n- need to move in three dimensions because a cave uh, is somewhere some a place that you explore by looking at what uh, might be a, a hole in the bottom or a hole in in the in the ceiling. Uh, it's not just walking around as you do in normal life. So these are general environmental and some technical analogies. And then we have built some additional situational analysis. And the first one is that we are bringing crews of astronauts that are very representative of the uh, International Space Station mission. So usually astronauts that come from International Space Station uh, space agencies, NASA. Roscosmos, uh, Canadian Space Agency, Japanese Space Agency, as well as European Space Agency. And then we construct a mission that is uh, using similarities with the space operations, uh, with a ground supporting team that is instructing the astronauts on what is the next, um, next day's activities, where they are using procedures they are uh, performing, especially a scientific program, which is very relevant and has a lot of uh, analogies also to what they will have to, to do in space. So it's constructed on the basis of uh, an environmental analogy, but there is much more to that.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's also that teamwork factor, that working as a crew that comes into these analogies as well.
2: Absolutely, because once they are in a situational analogy, they will have to exercise all of their teamwork and leadership decisions making skills to be able to be an effective team, and this is uh, actually the final important goal and objective of this training, to prepare them to be effective uh, members of uh, successful international multicultural and multidisciplinary teams during long-duration spaceflight. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you will have trained a huge number of astronauts in your time with ESA, I understand you've been with the agency quite a long time, so you've got a lot of experience in this area. What would you say are the most important qualities or perhaps the common qualities that you've noticed in astronauts, and how do they make them successful?
2: I I should admit there is a variety. It's hard to stigmatize what an astronaut is. I think it also changed in the years, because uh, probably because I've been in the agency for 40 years. I've seen astronauts that uh, were selected for shuttle flights uh, as payload specialists. And then uh, they were selected as mission specialists and then that changed into uh, actually engineers and then also sometimes commanders. And I shall say it, it changed. Always astronauts have been obviously very healthy people, very determined, uh, resilient uh, and very resistant to stress. But from the times of uh, of shuttle to now, there are the astronauts uh, that have been selected are much more expedition-oriented, so they're ready to go for long-term In cooperative endeavors with other people, they're much more oriented towards exploring uh, new terrain, not just uh, going for a flight. And especially they're really looking forward to to communicate what they're doing with a lot of people, uh, which is not just for public relations, but even to communicate to younger people what they're doing to to make sure that they they get enthusiastic about not just being astronauts, but working in uh, interesting subjects like science, engineering so i've seen them their characteristic changing a lot and uh, the the newest also being uh, much more reachable than the, the previous one always being very determined and very yeah uh, curious people Absolutely. And I, I guess that reachability has been aided somewhat
1: by the internet and the development of social media and, and all of these things. We see amazing photos and information coming down from the astronauts on the station all the time, which is really cool to see. These qualities that you mentioned, I imagine these are the qualities that are going to be important for this new class as well. Is there anything else that you think that the people who might be thinking about applying for our current astronaut recruitment qualities, additional qualities that they might need to have or or things for them to think about.
2: Well, I would say it's very, very important to, to always be humble and uh, admit that there is a lot out there to learn independently of the fact that uh, being a selected as an astronaut, you're probably already a, a very professional individual with uh, a lot of achievements because uh, as an astronaut, you will need to learn a lot about everything that uh, usually in that our normal life we have uh, people servicing us or so you will need to become a nurse, you will need to become a plumber, you will need to become an IT specialist, an engineer. So it's very important to be open, to always be curious, and especially to look forward to work in cooperation with other people, because Space are possible only because there are a lot a lot of people not just astronauts that make it possible so humble uh, and uh, appreciative of the so many people that work on the field and help you out making sure that you will be what you are and you will be able to do what you're doing which is representing everybody in space and doing science in a lab with a view
1: Absolutely. And we're getting to know a few of those amazing careers throughout this podcast series. We're talking to a number of different people who are involved somehow with space exploration and astronauts. And I find it incredible that you've got a huge wealth of experience having been with us for 40 years, as you say. Would you mind
2: telling us a little bit about how you got into space? What drew you to this area? I think it's been by chance, by mistake, uh, sometime, because some, somehow, because well, I was very interested in space already in school, in high school, but I, I was interested in, in cosmology, in astrophysics. And originally that's what I wanted to study, but then I, I actually opted for informatics uh, or for computer science. I had uh, developed my thesis at CERN in Geneva, where, uh, where I've been for more than a year. And there, I, a friend of mine suggested that I would apply as a young graduate trainee to ESA after my my year at, at CERN. And um, that's what I did. I was a young graduate trainee. And, um, well, I was offered two positions I actually had two interviews one that I would have taken instead was uh, working on artificial intelligence and then they wanted me to work on uh, at the astral center uh, but it turned out to be a very good result because at the end although at the beginning I was in fact in charge of the IT system in in, in EAC uh, in Cologne I started working on the computer of the astronauts the computers of everybody I installed new network and then I started being also I was asked to deliver the the first training to the 1992 astronaut selection that was IT training and that's how I started training astronauts. My first training was on, uh, on information systems and then I got involved in training also because a colleague of mine who was work- working on computer-based training did not, uh, did not continue his career because he moved into something else. And uh, that brought me into trying to understand a little bit better about uh, how training is developed. And I decided that uh, I wanted to know more. I brought into EAC the instructor training course that NASA at the time was, uh, was developing for ISS instructors. And at the same time, I also decided that I wanted to know a little bit more about space because I had been involved in the Euromir missions um, together with uh, Paolo Nespoli that at the time was uh, was still a training engineer uh, at ESA. And we we had worked on a payload and crew support computer that was supporting astronauts in uh, the MIR space station. Um, and I realized that I didn't know enough about space, so I did a master in space system engineering. And then I went to work into the Aurora Program where uh, that was a, a technology development program to prepare for human missions to Mars, which opened my eyes on a lot of topics, including the issues of uh, uh, the psychological issues of, of going to, to Mars. At the same time, I also worked together with uh, Hervé Stévenen, our colleague at uh, developing a training program for extravehicular activity, uh, which is now he keeps working on in the MBF. So we worked on that for a few years. And then I was asked to try to put together a program to prepare astronauts that uh, now we're going to long-duration spaceflight with uh, um, Russians and Canadians and Japanese astronauts. Uh, to prepare them on a multicultural type of expedition. And there I went and I worked together with psychologists and with uh, military people and tried to put together a behavioral training. And from there, then CAVES came out as uh, as an outcome of what finally was the best according to well, to all the different experiences that we had to prepare astronauts to become uh, successful in expeditions. And as we did that, then uh, also the Pangea training program came out because uh, we realized that astronauts needed to become uh, scientists to become geologists on the moon, and then uh, Pangea came out. So it's actually, you say you, you you have a lot of experience. I don't. I actually uh, know a lot of people that have a lot of experience and are fantastic, and I usually work with them. <laughs>
1: Mm. And it sounds like you've been given or or you have created opportunities to really create a career that's fulfilling and has taken you to a lot of different places. And it's great to see that 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 opportunity is there to try these different things and to exercise these different ideas.
2: No, I I think, yes, ESA has allowed me to find gaps and to fill them with interesting activities that were useful for ESA, but has been very, very uh, enriching for me, too.
1: And I was going to ask, continuing on from that, so what would you say to someone who might be thinking about a a space career or or trying to figure out how they might fit into the space environment?
2: What kind of advice might you give them? It's difficult to to give one advice. The the, the advice that I I give to everybody is uh, always look around Try to find gaps and uh, try to come up with novel ideas. But if you do, then you will have to be prepared to work hard, to demonstrate, to create something new for which you will probably have to spend a lot of your free time. But if you find, I mean, what is, is really an opportunity is that if you work in space, usually you find a lot of people that are willing to work with you and are willing to cooperate with you, which allows you to really get into a lot of different subjects and get uh, to the next level. So I would just say, try to, to really take opportunities when they are coming out and then work hard to make sure that you're trying to get good at it.
1: That sounds like great advice to me. Thanks, Laura Dana. So I've kind of come to the end of my questions here, but is there anything that you think would be important to add?
2: I, I had an interview the other day when I, I was asked by some uh, student uh, from high school if I would do again what I've done. Uh, and I say, no, but not because I didn't like it. It's just because there are so many other things that I would like to do. So to me, it's just be, being curious and try out uh, everything new that you can actually get into is something that will always allow you to keep motivated no matter what you do. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Thank you for, and thanks everybody. And like, well, work in space if you can. It's really an opportunity. Absolutely. (laughs) To find
0: out more about ESA's 2021 astronaut selection, visit the website esa.int slash your way to space. That's your way T-O space. Thanks for listening to ESA Explores. If you have any feedback or ideas for future episodes of the podcast, don't hesitate to get in touch via Twitter at ESA Spaceflight using the hashtag ESA Explores.